Hey there, On The Pulse listener. Are you ready to become a nurse? No matter your background, it's not too late to change course and take the leap into nursing. The Johns Hopkins School of Nursing's Master of Science in Nursing Entry into Nursing program is designed for students with a bachelor's degree in another discipline who are ready to discover the many rewards of becoming a nurse. Graduates will be top-notch nurses with unlimited choices, ready to practice wherever and however you choose. To learn more or apply, visit nursing.jhu.edu slash on the pulse. Hi, I'm Tamara Rodney, and you're listening to On The Pulse, a podcast from the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. On this podcast, we take a deep dive into the experiences of frontline providers and researchers. We explore their insights and invaluable stories of how healthcare works in today's world. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and a time to discuss the devastating effects that domestic violence has had on individuals, families, and communities. Domestic violence is a universal problem that impacts people around the world. In the United States, the statistics are appalling. Some of these facts include that one in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence. A woman is assaulted every nine seconds. One in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year, and 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to this violence. On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. And unfortunately, the list goes on. Thankfully, we have researchers like our guest today who are committed to finding solutions and helping those who have been impacted by this violence. Joining us today is Nancy Glass, Professor and Independence Chair in Nursing Education at the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. Nancy is a researcher who has worked domestically and globally to improve the safety and health of victims of violence. And she's a developer of the My Plan app, which we're here to talk more about today. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Rodney. So we'll definitely get to discussing your My Plan app, but first, I really want us to dive into the severity of the problem of domestic violence within the US and globally. You have worked in both settings and you've seen this impact. Why are we dealing with such a problem and what does it mean for people who are living with domestic violence? Maybe you can share what you know from both a national and global perspective. Great, thank you. Yes, globally, as you stated the statistics in the US, it's one in four women um, and one in seven men are known to be in abusive relationships in their lifetime, have experienced abuse by the person who's supposed to love them the most, to care for them. But what we know globally, it actually increases to one in three. The women in the world state that they've had an abusive partner in their lifetime. So this has a profound effect on women's opportunities for employment, for a life of health and safety. You know, they also are often in the home where children are witnessing this violence. And so then we see the continuation of the violence in the future where young men who witness their fathers abusing their mothers are at higher risk of being abusers themselves. And young and girls who see their mothers abused, when they grow older, they are also at risk of being a victim of abuse in their relationships. So we talk about the intergenerational transmission as we would use in more medical terms of violence. But what we're saying is that witnessing violence, being exposed to violence as a child, puts you at greater risk of being a perpetrator or a victim of violence in the future. 
So a lot of the work we've been doing globally focuses on prevention. So trying to stop violence before it ever starts. So that really is focusing now on helping from a very young age, think about healthy relationships, what makes a healthy relationship, and also challenging norms in the U.S. and globally around women's role in the household, women's role in society, equal decision-making, equal access to economic resources, and, and how that really supports a healthy relationship and reduces the risk of violence in a relationship. And then parents being able to demonstrate to their children about how to healthy communication, anger without use of violence, and then we can start to stop these, the generational transmission of violence. So there's a lot of focus globally now on primary prevention. But then we also have to have the response. We know that violence continues globally. It's an issue in every country where women are, especially the continuation of women's having unequal access to resources and services and men's role in society. And so we have to be able to respond to violence. And so we we have built the health system to um, be more responsive by training physicians and nurses, social workers to respond when and provide trauma-informed care. But we we also need to be able to reach women that don't want to go to the healthcare system or don't trust the police for very good reasons or don't have the language ability or not even know what resources are there. So that's why we developed the My Plan app is to reach women that might not feel safe to reach out. We know that only about 10% of women who are in abusive or unsafe relationships reach out to formal services of help. So my plan is a technology-based tool that women can access on their own or with the support of a provider to really assess, have a better understanding of what an unsafe relationship is and really think about the strategies they wanna use for safety for themselves and their families. Um, what you've described is a devastating cycle and essentially we're providing resources for them to, as you said, go to prevention rather than tackling this on the back end. And that's a genius way of reaching individuals because we're utilizing technology, which is most people will have at their fingertips. Some exciting news is that you have recently launched a new version of the app. Can you tell us more about this new version and what is different and why did you want to make these changes? Right. Um, this has been really exciting for us. And this, we, we originally started my plan in 2003 before we even had smartphones. We started thinking about how we could deliver a safety planning, safety decision-making resource for women through, um, they were accessing it on computers at work or at the public library or at service programs, the welfare office. So we originally had it on, uh, you know, the desktop computer. And it was a way for women to really think through their, their safety and decision-making and provide them resources when they were ready to reach out to organizations. Then as technology got better, we developed an app called My Plan App. And really, this has been an ongoing learning process. We've done significant amount of design with survivors, so co-design, working with the women and the advocates about what resources are available, what the information they would want, what they don't want in the tool, how to make it more culturally and linguistically appropriate. So really the feedback over many years, we finally were able to collate it all and work with a software developer 
to enhance the experience from the women's recommendation, the advocate's recommendation. I speak about women have been the primary people that we've engaged in the studies, but my plan is for all genders. That's one of the unique components. We worked with the LGBTQ community. We worked with the trans community. We worked to be more gender inclusive and using the right pronouns and finding resources that are much more relevant to the type of violence and experiences they have. Because as we know, people who feel discriminated against and have the intersection of gender and race and ethnicity, people's experiences can be very different when they reach out to systems. So we want the, my plan to have people feel like they're being spoken to in this tool, that there's something for them. And then the, the resource that we provide when they put in their zip codes and they tell us, you know, that they are in the LGBTQ community, we provide resources that really target, this is really about tailoring the resources to their situation. So if they tell us that they identify as female, but their partner identifies as male, the pronouns are correct in every question that we want people to feel like they're not having to defend who they are when they answer questions. It is in Spanish as well, which has taken a lot of focus on trying to, translation is one thing, but making it fit within the language and the terms and making sure that that is appropriate, that people feel that it's not judgmental. We also have really enhanced the experience of video and engagement. So we ask, you know, we're asking people questions because the more information they provide, the more tailored the safety strategies can become. So people can choose what questions to respond to. For example, does your partner have a gun in the home? If the partner has a gun, then we can provide more tailored safety strategies around the gun and safe gun storage and getting a protective order, those kind of things. If there's a child in the home, we have some safety strategies depending on the age of the child. How do you talk to your child about the tool? So there's a lot of tailored information, but we know that people feel cautious about providing a lot of information. So we also have a privacy statement. We do not collect any of this data. So that this is a free confidential resource. We're not collecting data on the user. We would never share data. So we make sure that we have that privacy statement so that the user knows that people will not have access to their data through this. The last thing is we partnered with the National Domestic Violence Hotline, and we now have used the app contact directly through our API to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And if a user puts in their zip code, we can provide resources exactly in their area. And we can target those resources, like if they're interested in legal resources or they're interested in housing, we can target those to, to the user. So that is a much more now sophisticated partnership because that was one of the hardest part is what people really wanted. They didn't want to just call a national hotline. They wanted some resources in their community that they could talk to somebody. So those, those are the highlights of the revision. And it took about two years to really do that level of update, but we're, we're really excited about it. And what's coming online next is a team version. So we have adapted my plan focused on healthy relationships for 15 to 17 year olds. And that was a great process because young people designed it. 
and their great ideas of user, you know, the user experience is what we really learned from them, helped us also inform the adult version of my plan. I just want to um, congratulate you for a very thoughtful process, but I also want to reemphasize that coming from a space of researchers, that um, data is usually a thing that drives things. And just to reemphasize that this, this is not collected, this is truly a service. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could walk me through. So you said it's available on your um, desktop, but I'm assuming also on the phone. Two things. How could I access it? And then when you access it, what do you do? How do you use the app? So yes, we have a website that you can download the app for either iOS, Macintosh, Apple, or for Google Play, Android phones. So it, it is accessible. We do also on the website is myplanapp.com, www.myplanapp.com. And one of the key things that happens when you open that website and when you download the app to your phone is the first thing we say, is this the right thing for you? You know, safety is key. That's the whole point of this. And we know that when we download apps, sometimes they are downloaded not just on one device, they may be downloaded on all the devices that are connected. So we want to make, my plan does not say up front what this is a tool about. It could be a scheduler. It could be multiple things. Mm -hmm. It is password protected. Once it's downloaded, you have a passcode. We also have directions within it about it setting up a dummy passcode. So there's multiple safety strategies. And that's the first thing that we want people to think about. Is it the right tool for them right now on their device? Maybe a friend can download it or a family member that they could use it. They could use it at work. It is a web-based app too. So they can use it on their computer at work or if they, you know, the phone doesn't feel safe. We also talk about how you could set up a new email account if they don't have a safe email account, for example, to get additional information. So just really thinking through safety is really important for using it because it may not be right for you right now. And so if you have a controlling partner, sometimes any, anything new downloaded can create tension. And so thinking through that is, is one thing that we really focus on early. If a user decides to download it, it is password protected again, and that's really important. And once they use their password and open the app, it really starts out with a safety plan. What is a safety plan? Why do you want a safety plan? And then it invites the user, once we do the onboarding of explaining how to use it, noting where some key features are, an emergency exit button. So if someone comes in and they're using it and they want to shut it, really, they hit that. It's on every screen, hit that, and it'll go directly to, I think it might go to an Amazon page, a landing page, Google landing page, so that it's not, doesn't trigger somebody to wonder what they're looking at. So that we, we make sure people know about those type of features from the onboarding process and then how to walk through the app. The nice thing about it, when we first developed the app, we made it very longitudinal, like you go through this section and then you go through the next section. And as you go through the sections, it builds your safety plan. What women and, and other users told us, it would be nice to be able to get that safety plan right up front and then to tailor it by the more sections that you complete. So if you complete a section that talks about behaviors in your partner's behaviors, like does your partner control who you talk with or want to know where you're going? Very controlling, baby. Do they monitor your phone? 
do they hit you physically? Do they force you to have sex when you don't want to? So these are questions that can answer and that helps us tailor, here's some strategies for you. And also, you know, have a real conversation about how dangerous the situation is. So we do use the evidence, the research that we've built over the years to really help them understand what these behaviors may from the evidence tell us about future behavior. The greatest predictor of violence is a past history of violence, right? So we want people to recognize that this behavior doesn't usually just stop automatically. That So thinking about their safety and their, and their family member's safety, it can be really helpful to them. And it's not unusual for somebody to say, oh, he was drunk when he behaved like that. He wouldn't behave like that otherwise. Or he was stressed out or she was stressed out. They usually don't behave like that. But what we know is it's hard to admit to ourselves sometimes how dangerous it's becoming. So the tool helps you think, okay, I'm not crazy. This is dangerous. I need to think about safety. And we're not telling people to leave or stay. We're having people think about what their priorities are for safety. And through that prioritization, figure out their safety plan. Because we know for many, many um, people, leaving is not what they want. It's not their first option. And they may not have the resources to leave at that time. They have children, they have responsibilities. So we want people to think about being safe if they're leaving and if they're staying in the relationship. Excellent. We can't um, reemphasize the idea of safety enough. And um, just for our listeners, if they're going to download it, it's M-Y-P-L-A-N. Um, and so there are many who might be hearing this now and want to either download it themselves or refer it to a friend. But there are also those who might be listening and facing abuse and are not ready to download the app. Mm -hmm. What can you say to those persons? What are the resources available for them? And what advice or recommendations can you give them? What we know, again, is not as many people that are in abusive relationships that are victims and or survivors are accessing the resources. And part of that is, you know, a misunderstanding or a mistrust often of what those resources are. So, you know, there's the National Domestic Violence Hotline that is an anonymous hotline. You do not have to give your name. They do not track where you're calling from. And you can just talk to an advocate and they can just to answer your questions or just listen. You don't have to take the information and call anybody. It's just somebody safe to talk to. The other thing is there's a chat function and you can chat with advocates. And again, they can send resources, but you don't, you know, no one's going to call you back and say, did you do this? You know, we know people need some time to think through what's happening to better understand it. So, you know, reaching out through a hotline can be really, really helpful and can help you also. They can let you know about, they can help you explore laws in your state because every state's different. They can connect you to resources in your state. So that's certainly a great option is a chat. It's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And the other, the other thing is, you know, go to our website. There's information on the website. There's resources on the website. And just, you know, read about what we know about violence. There's a lot of information from the CDC, has some good fact sheets about what we know about violence. And we want people to know that they're not alone, that they're not crazy, to trust their instincts. If things feel like they're getting escalating, getting more dangerous, you're right they are, and it's time to reach out. 
So, you know, we want people to feel like they're not going to be judged and, and advocates are well-trained to make sure that people know that there's, there's resources out there. Thank you for sharing those. And I know to say that you wear many hats and you do multiple other things is a small talk for the day, but can you share with us what other works you're doing in relation to domestic violence? What else are you doing outside of the app? Yeah, some really exciting things are happening. I'm really excited about it. I just came back from the Democratic Republic of Congo where we started a new study where we're really trying to focus on prevention of violence. And so we're working with parents, mom and dad in rural areas. We're doing a couple's intervention to build healthy relationships so that they're modeling good communication, working together economically, making household decision-making to reduce violence, corporal punishment, for example, and that young people are then themselves are having better relationships or more positive outcomes in school, and also their mental health is better. These are, these are families that have lived in a conflict-affected area for years. They've seen and witnessed a lot of issues. There's a lot of deprivation. And so we're, we're really working on families as, the, as we talk about development. We're talking about supporting families as they are working together and reducing challenges of inequities and the long-term effect of violence in the household and in the surrounding communities. We're also working in Ethiopia with UNICEF, looking at understanding programs and their impact on child marriage and FGM, female genital cutting or mutilation, around six regions in Ethiopia. So that's been really very interesting. And we just got a new seven-year project from the UK government where we're partnering with George Washington Global Women's Institute, University of Cape Town, uh, Aga Khan in Pakistan, and Kenyatta University to do a global evaluation of what works to prevent violence against women. So there'll be programs funded around the world, and we're part of the research consortium. So we'll be over the next seven years, evaluating those interventions. So doing some randomized clinical trials, doing some operations work, implementation science. It's going to be a big project, but very exciting. So yeah, we're, I mean, there's, there's plenty of work to do, but it's very interesting work. And I work with great colleagues at the School of Nursing as well. Dr. Nancy Perrin is part of the team. I've worked with Dr. Alexander on our teen study. So you know, there's, that's the fun part. We have great colleagues at the School of Nursing that really allow us to do more. First, congratulations on the work that you're doing and the continued support you get is critical. Nancy, this has been such a sobering conversation. It, it is sad to think about how much domestic violence impacts so many lives, but I'm grateful for the resources like my plan um, and others that you've shared that are actively helping to help people live safer and more healthy lives. Thank you for the work you're doing and thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of On The Pulse. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone you know and subscribe through Apple, Stitcher, Google Play or Spotify. You can also find us on the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com slash nurse. Be sure to also check out our On The Pulse blog and Facebook Live series. You can learn more about the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing at nursing.jhu.edu. Thanks again for listening.